，女士们、先生们。Hello, fans of Shukpastan, and welcome to day three coverage of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics on Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host Allison Brown. Allison, ni hao, how are you? Ni hao. I have a little bit of a podcasting injury. My throat's a little a little tight today, but I'm going to power through like a true Olympian. Excellent. I'm sorry to hear you are not feeling well. I hope it goes away. I hope it's not like false COVID. Or COVID, and then, but we can make you get through on the close contact protocols. <laughs> I don't so, know. so many close contacts happening in your neck of the woods. We'll get to that as we get to each of the sports. But man, exactly, it's left and right on that. Exactly. I will remind you, I'm coming to you from the main media center here in Beijing. It's vacuuming hour, so if you hear a little extra noise, I'm trying to get that out, but. Whenever we sit down to tape, it is like vacuuming hour and cleaning up the media center time, and this this is it. This is all I I got to work with it. Well, I wonder if it's a volunteer job because I did want to vacuum, but I don't know if I'm. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. But speaking of which volunteer or officiating job would you like to do today? Short track speed skating, resetting the pads after a crash. Oh, okay. Out on the ice, and I wonder if they have special shoes. They do. They have like、uh, yak tracks or whatever. Those they have little stubs in their shoes, or like I don't know. It's like snow tire chains for shoes. <laughs> That's the only reason I want the job. I want the shoes. There you go. I actually did watch them a little bit set up for short track after the figure skating competition. They had、uh, to take down the row of padding. That was where the judges sat because it was thin, and they had to put in all the thick pads. So that was kind of cool. And then I realized, oh, this isn't like a regular ice rink with boards and stuff like you normally see in figure skating. So when they, if they fall, they do also crash into the pads. Well, it's better than crashing into the boards. Seriously, that hurts. I've done it. It's not good. Let's see what job would I want to do today. Cause I I had been I was like oh I wanted to do the not the fix the pads oh what would I want to do oh in、uh, long track speed skating again much like in Tokyo where I wanted to ring the bell I would like to ring the bell for the one lap to go I don't know if it's a real bell or not it definitely、oh. no I definitely know it's not something you ring with your hand it's not like clang a clang a clang it's like a boxing bell. Where it's like ding ding ding, and you would hit it on the side. However, the gun is electronic, so I'm worried that the bell is also electronic, and I don't know because it was I was sitting on over it, so I couldn't see. But in our minds, the man who is ringing the bell is wearing a little mini binduendwen, just like in Tokyo, he was wearing the little mascot. So we're going to imagine you doing that. We're going to pretend it is not electronic. No, no ro- robot bell ringers. I hope not. Speaking of being done, when it is increasingly difficult to get one now, we are three <gasps> days into the Olympics. The store is here in the main media center is pretty well decimated, and I, I gotta say I haven't been able to get to the store. I saw all these being done ones and chewy run runs in the beginning. They're nicely boxed, but、uh, they have been snapped up. 
the mascots are very popular here in China now. So everybody wants one, and the factories have been closed for New Year's. So now we have to hope that they get the factories up and running and crank some of these out before the Olympics are over. The two times I have tried to go to the store, the first one was New Year's Eve, so closed early. The second one, second time, there was a line out the door, so I couldn't stand it. I, I didn't have the time. And then every every other time, like I tried to go today, I was like, oh, I will check out the store. Oh, it closes at six on Sundays. Well, we were talking before we started recording what you were going to do during the interim between the Olympics and Paralympics. Mm-hmm. Possibly shop. If I can. I don't know what I'll be allowed to do. But location scouts, our Kickstarter location scouts, do not worry. I have procured postcards. And those will be going out to you as I can get them written. But I'm very happy to have found some of those. So very excited to send them to you. What's going on with our Fantasy League? So our Fantasy League is up over 60 participants. Oh, that's fantastic. All over the world. We have Malaysia. We've got Great Britain. We have, obviously, the United States. We have somebody from South Africa. Oh, awesome. I would say, I would say you're all going down, but I'm really not doing very well here. Well, you have moved up. You have moved up to 33rd. I am still beating you at 24th. I had a very bad day because I had my star athlete was for the men's downhill. Oh, and there was no men's downhill today. There was no men's downhill today. So Einerson is still in the lead with 40, and Jet Jet is tied with P.S. Gola at 39. That reminds me. You know what? I have not been picking star athletes. Maybe that's my problem. Okay, I see here we have a new segment called Feed Beefs. What's going on? Well, I wanted to bring this back because we did have the segment during Tokyo, and I did want to comment that it's better. It's better than Tokyo. NBC has, uh, here in the United States, has cleaned up its act a little bit. So there is uh, a lot less material that is embargoed. So if you miss it live, it's pretty easy to catch it later. I'm sure figure skating will be embargoed. But so far, anything I've wanted to see, I've been able to see, with the exception of the opening ceremonies which was fine. They are still putting commercials in the worst places. So I was watching Luge and literally somebody's run got interrupted by a commercial break. (laughs) So they still have not worked out that point of it. And I'm not sure if this is me or if this is NBC. I keep getting kicked out in random places. Huh. Be watching an event and all of a sudden it will kick me out. I got to re-log in and then I've got to watch the entry commercials again. So only happened a few times, but is terribly annoying, yet still better than Tokyo. So we're going to keep on the positive there. All right. That sounds good. I noticed on the OBS feed in ski jumping, they're putting a lot more data on the screen. So that's kind of an interesting move there, just like speed and where the wind is going as they go down the, the jump. So I will keep looking for other stuff like that as well. NBC seems to be putting less data. I'm not sure we mentioned it yesterday when we were talking about biathlon. There is no heart rate monitor coming up on either the feed or NBC. Well, that was a a hope that they would do it because they haven't even done it for the IBU World Cup Series. It was just, it's a dream of mine. And I know they can make this happen because they did it for archery. And they have not put much of the data that you are seeing for curling either. So keeping it kind of clean, 
in terms of not giving us data, just giving us commentary. But the commentary has been better. Skating, on the other hand, they are giving us a very detailed technical scoring box happening during the programs. I think that might be an NBC thing. Yes. And I think they understand that the fans want that kind of detailed information. But that's not what you get here on the feed. Or like I've seen figure skating on CCTV and they they are just pulling the feed for that. So, but we had a lot of action and we had not so much action today on the hills. Alpine skiing men's downhill was postponed for high winds. Date to be determined, really. Right. They didn't even reschedule it yet. And they've actually, the uh, women's giant slalom that was supposed to be today uh, or tomorrow in the U.S. is already postponed. Wow. It's not looking good already when you have to try to cram that in. But hopefully that will get done soon. Cross-country skiing. We had the men's uh, skiathlon. Gold went to Alexander Bolshinov. Silver went from ROC. Silver went to Dennis Spitsoff from ROC, and bronze went to Ivo Niskanen from Finland. Very nice to see a Finn up there. Absolutely. And our Shukvastani, Keegan Randall, who we spoke to after Pyeongchang, is now in the NBC booth and doing some really nice work there. Oh, excellent. I'm not surprised, and especially if she's with Chad Salmala, and I guess is Bill Dolman there doing the rest of the feed? You know what? I'm not sure who the street, so to speak. <laughs> I did want to mention something that Chad Samala said, and I hope he misspoke because we know Norway is a cross-country slash biathlon powerhouse. They've been hit really hard by COVID. And the defending gold medalist in this race, Simon Hexter-Kruger, could not compete. They've got women that are in COVID protocol. They've got biathletes that are in protocol. And Chad Samala said that Norway should be embarrassed if they didn't medal. I hope he misspoke and said and meant that they would be embarrassed because cross country and biathlon are their things. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he wasn't ragging on poor Norway. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but but also Norway's team is so deep in both of those sports that you would wonder even if with covid happening if these other athletes would be able to step up and and take the the place there so i don't know it'll be interesting to see what goes on with all these covid protocols that are happening because it just seems like every day more and more people are going into isolation more athletes are testing positive and it's just it's really frustrating for the athletes Uh, we don't have short track on the list for today but there is a, a polish short track speed skater i believe who tested positive, then they said, oh, no, no, you're okay. And then they said, oh, no, you aren't okay. And she ended up missing a race. And it was just devastating and kind of pulled her around in many, so many emotional directions. And I think that's just so frustrating. It's been so difficult to get here. I know athletes are under stress anyway to try to compete. And they've got to... You know, they're not competing wearing masks and they're, they've got to be close to other people in these sports. So they're doing the best they can. But at the same time, just the, the testing and the, the testing you have to do every day, the being careful beforehand, tracking all your health stuff, it, it is very stressful. And they can't let up just because they got in the closed loop. Like I feel 
since I've been here, just like, oh, okay, I made it into the loop. That's all that matters. I don't really worry about testing positive. You know, even if I'm crammed on a bus with people, because, hey, guess what? Buses get crammed. But I think that stress can't let up for the athletes until their competitions are over. For some of them, that's the entire games. COVID is definitely affecting Beijing much more than it affected Tokyo in terms of changing the actual competitions. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder why that is. I don't know if it's Omicron and that being more contagious, or is it the measurements they're going by here and the measurements they're going by, they went by in Tokyo. I don't know, but it, it seems off. Well, this is a perfect segue to get into curling. Well, this is a perfect segue to move into our next sport on our list, which is curling, because the Australian team, Tally Gills, apparently tested positive before she came to Beijing, then tested negative, then tested positive again. So there was a whole to-do last night. They were going to pull out of the tournament. I went to sleep. I woke up. And they had competed. She was given permission to to finish out the round robin portion of the tournament. Yeah, it was amazing that I, I, because I saw how that you put that in that they pulled out and we got the press release from Australia. They'd pulled out, and some of the curling journalists had posted on Twitter that they would have to forfeit because she had tested positive. And then it was like, oh no, well we looked at the results again, and you're okay. And that, along with some of the other COVID stories, it's just kind of like, huh, what's what's really going on here? So the best news of this <coughs> is that Australia beat Switzerland, won their first curling match. So this is the first Olympic curling victory for Australia. And I was just watching some of this before we got onto to tape. And Dean Hewitt says to Tally at the end of the match, we just needed more stress. <laughs> so that relationship is pretty fantastic. I'd love to talk to them about their partnership because they just seem to work so well and interestingly together. So that was a, a feel-good story after a not very feel-good story yesterday from them. Yes. And so now we are into the medal rounds for the mixed doubles tournament in curling. Standings ended up being Italy undefeated 7-0. and Canada and Great Britain both were 5 and 2. Sweden was 5 and 3. Canada, Great Britain and Sweden all were uh, 5 and 2. Norway was 4 and 3. US was 3 and 4. And then the last four teams were eliminated from the medal rounds. That would be Czech Republic with a record of 3 and 5, Switzerland with a record of 2 and 5, China who finished 2 and 6, and Australia who finished 1 and 7. I'm sorry I'm sorry to see the Chinese team ended up not doing so well because it seemed in the beginning their first well their first game was real stunner and we've had Chinese curling on Chinese TV so it seemed like they were doing well but perhaps not I watched some of the Chinese match yesterday and it could have been they lost simply because the Chinese woman would just scream the entire match oh wow and, and she wouldn't repeat a word. She would, and I'm not quite sure what word she was screaming, but it just sounded like, I think she was actually speaking in English because it sounded like she was saying hard because sometimes they'll say to sweep hard. Most of them will say hard, hard, hard. She will just say hard 
the entire time that her partner is sweeping and in this pitch that I could no longer watch the match. Wow. It was ear splitting. So, I mean, there's a lot of yelling that goes on in curling. I get it. And sometimes it gets annoying, but this was on a whole other level. Interesting. Well, medal rounds are coming up, and then we will move over to the uh, men's and women's team event. So more curling to look forward to. I got to say, so I was watching. I, I would imagine you get overhead shots of the Olympic Park area. There is in the, the ice cube. So they've got the multicolored lights. They've got some single colored lights. They can spell 2022 on the sides of the ice cube and on the, the roof. And then today I noticed when I was walking by the big screen uh, TV that's in the uh, main hallway that there's like a curling stone look that they can do with the bubbles. I'll try to get a picture and put it on. Whenever they show it on TV, it's just white. Really? Yes. I think they must just have the same repetitive shot. They sent one drone up at the beginning and that was it. But no, we have not seen all these cool colored figures. Oh, yeah, it's really cool how the lights change for the, the venue. It's it's really, really interesting. Moving over to figure skating, we had more competition in the team event. It was women's short program and the men's free skate. Uh, did I was there for the men's free skate, which was weird because, well, I was very, very late for the session. But it was only six skaters. So it was just very unusual to see just such a short program. But how was how was the women's? The women's was a lot of fun. I mean, Camilla Valieva, who is the European champion and from the ROC, she's a baby. She's all of 15, lands at a triple axel, fourth woman to land a triple axel in Olympic competition. Here in the U.S., Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir went a little over the top with their commentary. Camilla Valieva is stunning. She's beautiful. <clears throat> She's an amazing, amazing skater. And, you know, they're calling her once in a lifetime, once in a generation. Great. Johnny Weir said her skating could change the world. Seems like they're digging deep. Although she is a beautiful skater. I will say that. But as we've talked before, the, the Russian skaters, I tend to be like, well, let's wait and see what happens. Because somebody who's skating changes the world to me is somebody who sticks around for a while. And we've talked about the revolving door. Right. And we have a totally new ROC team of women this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have a totally new ROC women who went to Europeans. So they're interchangeable in many ways. Valieva, to me, she's doing harder things, but she doesn't look any different than the Russian women we've seen the past three Olympics. So perhaps the ROC way of skating could change the world. Possibly. But you know what I did enjoy? The Ukrainian, Anastasia Shabatova, did the Carol of the Bells. <laughs> the Japanese skater, Wakaba Higuchi. For those of you who have been around skating for a while, please tell me that you see the connections to Midori Ito. Back from the uh, 80s and 90s. It looks just like her, how she skates. It was great. And also want to mention, the Canadians were in a hole going into the women's free skate. It looked like they weren't, I mean, excuse me, in the women's short program. It looked like they weren't even going to make it. They were going to get cut off into the next round. And Madeline Skitsis had one heck of a program. 
unexpectedly. And so Canada got to stick around. They are in fourth place currently, most likely out of the medals. So the defending gold medalists will likely not be on the podium, but at least they didn't get the embarrassment of not even making it to the long program. Okay. Interesting. So, <coughs> so then we moved on to the men's free skate, but, but Canada, oh no, they did. Okay. That makes more sense because I didn't know there were only five teams in the free skate. So one thing that I took away, well, first off, Nathan Chen, who had skated the short program for the U.S., was replaced in the free skate by Vincent Zhao. And that decision I thought would be fine until it wasn't. And and Vincent did not have a good free skate. He popped some jumps and uh, yeah, he popped jumps and it just wasn't, wasn't good. It wasn't quick. I expected him to be a little faster or have a little bit more intensity in the skating, and I, I just didn't see that. I will say that when you watch a figure skating competition live versus on TV, there, there are different things that you get out of it. So on TV, you get the close-ups and you get to see the details, but when you pull back and see more of the rink, and especially live because I think the ice flattens stuff out, I could better anticipate when somebody was going to make a mistake. Huh. I could see it going into jumps and stuff like, oh, this is not going to go well. And it didn't. And I was really surprised at how having the longer perspective or the wider angle really changed how you saw the program. Even if you, you know, even if they looked like they were two inches on the ice. Were you able to hear much of the, the ice sounds I would say yes, but I couldn't tell you. I can't remember. Because I heard ice sounds all day. You're hearing ice sounds in your sleep as your brain is freezing from the mountain. (laughs) But what else did you think about this? So there was a program. Did you see the Russian in person? I would say, oh, geez, but he did skate to Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) This is Mark, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Mark Kondratyak. Did a program to Jesus Christ Superstar. It was great music, but man, was that Russian drama writ large. <laughs> and the other thing I wanted to mention, we talk about the Russian women, but the Japanese men, unbelievable, because Yuzu Hanyu is not skating in the team event. No, he just got here today. Right. He's, I think, because of the ankle injury. They had two programs from two other male skaters that were just absolutely stunning. So I don't know what's in the water, but every male skater needs to apparently go to Japan, find out what these guys are doing and copy it because it was last night was Yumi Kagiyama, who's all of 18 and just so, so, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And uh, the standings now after five of eight segments is ROC leading with 45 points. USA is behind them by three with 42. Then Japan with 39, Canada with 30, and China with 29. China got in because there was a tie. Georgia and China tied for fifth. The tiebreaker put China in the finals. And the tiebreaker was the combined total of their two best scores. So there are several layers of tiebreaker, but the tiebreaker that they hit was the highest highest total segment scores of the top two. So since they had Sway and Han, who finished first in the pair segment, 
they ended up going in over Georgia. But Georgia coming in sixth is a huge accomplishment for that program. I'm sure that's it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see another country kind of in that mix. And to have the USA so close to the ROC going in is a huge shock. Right, right. So we'll be interested to see who ends up skating in the free programs for the rest of the disciplines. Moving over to freestyle skiing, we had the Women's Moguls event today. They did the second qualification and then the final runs. Gold went to Australia's Jakara Anthony. Silver went to USA's Jalen Koff. And bronze went to ROC's Anastasia Smirnova. A great win for Australia here. They were very excited. I think it's their first gold medal since 2010. Wow, that's a, that's a long time. So it's a, it's a big deal. Excellent. So happy for them. It's nice because, you know, I noticed they had a really large contingent at the opening ceremonies. So it's really cool to see a country that doesn't really have a tradition of winter sports really building a winter sports program. You know, like we were saying before, now they have a curling team. Now they've got medals. It's just really exciting to see a whole program emerge like this in since we've been watching it in the in the last 20 years or so. I mean, it seemed like even though Sydney was a summer games, it just catapulted their entire Olympic program, both winter and summer. Yeah, I bet it has. If our Australian listeners know anything about that, let us know because we'd love to explore that more. It's, it, it is really exciting to see sports grow and blossom in the country. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. So before we move on to ice hockey, we wanted to let you know about our red envelope campaign that we're doing during the games. This show does cost money to produce. And while our listeners have been extremely generous in supporting us through the Kickstarter campaign that got us here to Beijing and also through Patreon patronage, we're coming up on two and a half years until another Olympics to celebrate the Lunar New Year. We're asking for donations of at least $8 to help get us through Paris 2024. Go to flamealivepod.com slash support to donate. And thank you to everyone who's donated so far. We've had a lot of support and it's really exciting and very heartwarming to know how much uh, you appreciate the show. Okay, ice hockey. We had uh, some more preliminary round action today. We had... uh, Oh, it's just two games. So China versus Japan, China won two to one. And then USA versus Switzerland, USA won eight to zero. And I saw period one of this game. Boy, oh boy. Every time the U.S. scored one goal and then a couple minutes went by and then they just started scoring goals like crazy. It was something like five zero at the, the end of the first period. Well, a little piece of good Shik Flistani news. Brianna Decker is on the sidelines with her clipboard. She is there. She is staying in Beijing. Excellent. Excellent. And I think I saw uh, Shik Flistani athletic trainer Wayne Lamar on the sidelines, too. I, I may have a picture of him. He is on the other side. Closed loop prevents me from getting to him. But hopefully I'll get back to the hockey venue for the women's tournament and get in IHA uh, somebody to get the pin to him he needs his pin exactly we have a special team shuklistan pin for all of our guests to thank them for their time and uh, yeah we're trying to get them to the the athletes and and other support staff who are here in shuklistan so at hockey 
this is exciting. I mean, the Wukasan Sports Center looks like it should be a hopping place if there was no COVID protocols here going on. I believe, but you can't quote me, that outside of this venue is like a plaza and it looks like they had stuff planned to do and just have like fan zone areas. I don't think that's happening. We do have fans with their flags every... <laughs> all the fans are funny because they, they all get their uh, Bing Dwen flags and they just wave them like crazy throughout the whole... <laughs> Whatever competition they're seeing, we see flags waving. The hockey arena has cheerleaders who do dances. Are they on skates or are they in the crowd? They are up in the crowd and they are like on the second tier. So they're, you know, the top of the first tier, that, that balcony level that you have to get into, or you walk into the arena and then you go down for the, the bottom tier seating. They're in that, that level. So the first number they did was to a uh, popular song. And then after the first period and during the first intermission, they came out and did something in a traditional thing. And I was busy packing up my stuff so that I could get the right bus to get back here to the media center to tape. And I could not catch this on video, but it was equally as impressive to have these rows of dancers dancing in the middle of like the walkway. I hope you don't need to go to the restroom while they are <laughs> Ruined the whole effect. <laughs> Bing Dwen Dwen was there, of course, and he kind of toddled around a little bit and waved. But one of my favorite things here at this arena was on the Jumbotron, they had little games. And, you know, like when you go to baseball games and it's like, which, where, where is the baseball underneath the caps or different races that they can do on the video monitor? Okay, so they show somebody from the audience and then they do an overlay of a whack-a-mole game, but it's whack-a-bing-dwen-dwen. And the, the audience member has to try to watch the Jumbotron and whack where he is with their hand. It is fantastic. I hope they continue that over in curling. <laughs> Doesn't quite have the same effect. They have the organ music going. It's loud. It's fun. There's a lot of atmosphere at a hockey game. This is a really fun venue to be in, even without, you know, even though the fan base is really small, it's it's really fun to be there. <coughs> what was the other thing that they had? Oh, I did see the new LED light thing that they had. It was facing out, so I didn't see it much in action, but it just looked like there, oh, hey, somebody's in the penalty box. There's a clock there, if you happen to notice it. It's not like anything gets projected. This was the in-game yes. clock for the penalty box. Oh, yes. The revolutionary new way of putting a clock on the board that lets you know when somebody's penalty is going to be over. <laughs> we need to find those Omega guys and have some discussion with them. Yeah, I know. Maybe they are official timekeepers and I can have a word. So now we have the standings in Group A. U.S. Uh, leads. They're undefeated, 3-0. Canada is also undefeated, 2-0. ROC is 1-1. Finland is 0-2. And Switzerland is 0-3. Over in Group B, Japan is 2-1, as is China. The Czech Republic is 2-0. Sweden and Denmark are both 0-2.
Over to Luge, we had the last two runs of the men's singles tournament. Winning gold was uh, Johannes Ludwig from Germany. Silver went to Wolfgang Kindl from Austria. And Dominic Fischnaller from Italy took the bronze. So I did not see any of this. Did, did you? I did watch it. I was surprised at how late they were doing these runs. Does it just get dark really early there or was it just late? It does, but no, those the whole sliding competition is extremely late. It ends at like 10 something at night. Right. So they, it, it, it was clearly dark. I was just surprised because usually in the past, those have been done during the day. So I'm wondering why that was scheduled that way because it's got to be just bitterly, bitterly cold. Oh, oh, it is. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you about the cold here. It's really cold. No, it's interesting. When I look at the schedule, there's a lot of stuff that just seems to happen in Chinese primetime television, which makes sense because we're here. But in a way, it doesn't make sense because of the weather. Like when the sun goes down, it just gets colder. And so these athletes who are already in harsh conditions, especially in the mountains, to make them compete later at night just seems un almost unnecessary. Agreed. It, it, seemed, it just seemed very odd because I would think under the lights would actually make it more difficult. But maybe it's easier because they can control the shadows. But Felix Locke, who has been sort of the king of, of luge for a generation finished fourth, but there was nobody more excited for Johannes Ludwig than Felix Locke. Oh, really? Both German sliders and nobody gave him a bigger hug than, than Felix Locke. It was, it felt like that generational passing of the church. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Which was such a joy to see when you see a, an older competitor with a younger competitor. And, and there isn't, I mean, I'm sure there's a rivalry. But there wasn't hostility. So then that's not the only great thing that Felix Locke has done. One of the stories that we've had here is the Olympic debut for Georgian slider Saba Kumar Stravili, who uh, only made it through rounds one and two. He placed 30th and didn't move on from on into the rest of the competition. But he is the cousin of Nodar Kumar Stravili, who crashed in Whistler in, in 2010 and died instantly from the crash right before the Vancouver Games started. Uh, so Saba becoming a loser and now competing just continues that legacy there for that family. And the Felix Loctai is when... He won the gold in 2010. He melted his gold medal into two discs, etched Nodar's portrait and the years of his birth and death on one and gave it to the family. I know. Try not to cry. Yeah, you got me a little with that one because I had not heard that story. And that just speaks to what a, a champion he is. Yeah. That he would with that family. And now for Saba to be able to compete against Felix Locke. I hope they had a moment. I hope yeah. they they got to, to speak. You know what would be amazing? Because I, I think Felix Locke might finally be at the end of his very, very long career. Mm -hmm. Coach the Georgian program. 
Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Well, first of all, they would grow leaps and bounds. It's Felix Locke. <clears throat> you can't do better than him. No. To share that. Felix, I'm going to get you a job now that you're going to be unemployed. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be unemployed for long. I'm sure everybody wants to snatch him up. Let's move over to ski jumping. We had the men's Normal Hill individual tournament today. We finished up after the qualifying rounds. Gold went to Japan's Ryoyu, uh, Ryoyu Kobayashi. Silver went to Manuel Fettner from Austri Austria. And bronze went to David Kubaki from Poland. Wow. So this is what happened here. Because I have not heard what this competition was like. Because there's no Simone Amen. There's no Camille Stolk from Poland. What nope. happened? Still competed. Yeah, I know. But what happened? Because he's a yeah. champion. You got to do it again. I didn't see it yet. Oh, okay. All right. So well... Putting it on the list. I hope it's going to play around here somewhere. We got curling on right now and fun commercial hmm. and hockey. Well, this is one to look into. I will have to look into what happened with that one. Over in snowboard, this is so exciting. Women had their snowboard slope style competition. Gold goes to Zoe Zadowski Sanat, New Zealand, first gold medal winter. Olympics medal. Wait, sorry. First gold medal in the Winter Olympics for New Zealand. I am so thrilled for the Silver Ferns. Go Kiwis. Oh, that's such good news. That's such good news. USA's Julia Marino won silver and Tess Cody from Australia won bronze. So Oceana cleaning up here. This was a great competition. At the very end of it, Zoe sadowski Sinat had the last run. Julia was sitting in first. Tess is sitting in second. They're waiting for Zoe, who I believe is the world champion, to come down. She comes down. It's close. It really was just a few point difference. The commentators weren't sure which way it was going to go. But as she came down to the bottom of the run, before the scores even came up, Zoe sort of collapses at the end, and then Julie and Tess run over and pile on top of her. Oh. Just in this, this puppy pile of joy. It was fantastic. <laughs> there is, similar to what we saw with the skateboarding community and the surfing community, the snowboarding uh, community clearly has a lot of love and affection for one another and a lot of joy just to see people throw down great runs. Excellent. But this, I hear this was a tough, tough competition. Like, not not necessarily the athletes competing against each other. It's athletes against the elements. Yes. So the weather was tough. And the course seemed to be very, very difficult. People were falling left and right. There was even a competitor who, when she went across one of the obstacles, there were sparks coming from her snowboard off the rail. Whoa. That is because it is so dry and so cold that that friction created a spark. So I guess now snowboarders can burst into flames. I, I was a little concerned. But unfortunately, Jamie Anderson, uh, the American who was going for a three-preet, had no clean runs at all. Wow. In the finals. Yeah, she's the only woman previous to this who has won this event because it's only been this is only the third time around 
for slope style snowboards. So she had a disappointing competition. But first gold medal for New Zealand, Winter Olympics. Go Silver Ferns. Okay, moving over to speed skating in the long track. We had the men's 5,000 meters today. I was there for this one, too. Oh, Uh, you were there? Yeah. Yeah, I was there. You have to say that again. This was a race. Yes, it was. Uh, Gold went to uh, Sweden's Nils Vanderpoel, who got an Olympic record. Silver went to Patrick Roast from the Netherlands, who his time also had broken the Olympic record. And then bronze went to Hagier Ingebrotten from Norway. And your your favorite, Sven Kramer, ninth place. No 4 beat. But he was in the first pair. And I think that had something to do with it. And he was ahead of his pace from Pyeongchang. He was doing really, really well. And then just trailed off and he was so far ahead of his competitor that I wonder if he just didn't have that push. He's old now and cranky. Yeah, I think so. I think that's it. And as we learned, he had a very tough time making the team. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him retire after this. I I should say he's old and crankier. Um, this was a race to watch. Uh, Nils Vanderpoel pulled it out at the absolute last lap. He was ahead, and then he was trailing, and then he was ahead. But this is the first speed skating gold medal for Sweden since 1988. The Swedes were going nuts. Oh, they were. They were going nuts in the, the venue, and you weren't supposed to be cheering. Yet they were. So, you know. They couldn't help themselves. No, who could? This was another sport where... The whole having the perspective of the whole track let you see just how well they were doing because I could see Vanderpool speed up on the end. And when you're watching, generally, you have either a close up of them, the one skater, or kind of the two together, but you don't get like the whole straightaway. And that's where you really saw him build speed is that long bit from the one one curve into the next. And seeing it from the far angle, really, it was just so impressive. And the, the, the announcer in-house, the in-house, the in-house announcer is really fun. He knows his stuff. He loves the sport. He was excited. He'd be like, oh, he's off the pace. He's off the pace of, you know. <laughs> But every lap, you got the times and how far back they were. And, and I know that information was coming instantaneously, but it was a, it was really nice to have. And they, they're just they're doing a good job. There was a cute moment, and I don't know if you saw this live, but they replayed it on television. At the end of the race, the Swedish coach, you know how during the race they, they sort of write on whiteboards and hold up how far behind Oh, yeah, yeah. Each lap. And he held up a big zero. (gasps) As in in Nils wasn't behind at all. Nice. It was a cute little moment. And and it was fun to watch the Swedes celebrate. It it was fun. And you know what else was? Who else was in the venue? Ping Duen Duen. No. No. Oh, 
It's better than Bing Dwen Dwen. It is the Team Canada drum. It's made a return. Yes. So um, the chef de mission, and I'm sorry, I cannot remember her name at this moment, but the the indigenous nation who provided the drum for the Summer Olympics also bestowed a drum upon the Winter Olympians too. And she is bringing it around to all the venues. And I heard something beat and I was like, you know, kind of like a bird dog. Wait, is that the... is it the drum? Is it the drum? And I had to go. I took a little video of it because I tracked it down and got to hear her pound the drum. It was so cool. Yeah, but she is definitely getting out to the different venues and cheering on the Canadians in style. Interesting fun fact, because this is now something I'm looking for. The Zambonis at the speed skating oval are different from the Zambonis at the hockey rink. Like one is blue and one is red and Bing Dwen Dwen is doing different stuff on them. Wait. The mascot is on the Zamboni? Yeah, like a decal. Oh, I thought you meant he was like riding on no, the... No, like, wouldn't that be fun? I would be... That would be my volunteer job. I would sit <laughs> on top of the Zamboni in the Bing Dwen Dwen costume and just toddle around. No, Bing Dwen Dwen is a decal on the side. And doing different things but there's different zambonis i got to see the zambonis reverse down the ice did not know that was going to happen that was that was exciting and it doesn't take much to thrill me apparently when i don't have much sleep but and i enjoyed that very much i also got to see the when ceremony the handing out of the pandas at the end and oh i you got to see more the girls Got to see more panda girls, and also one of them did. I forgot this, and it might have been my officiating or volunteer job. They have the mask on, mask off signs. Because they're allowed to have the mask off to receive the panda or medal, but then you put it back on for the group photo. Well, considering that, you know, so many people are in COVID protocol, that if you get close to anybody, and I forgot to mention this while cur- we were talking about curling, because Taylor Gillis obviously isn't, Taylor Gills is in COVID protocol. They went to shake her hand and then remembered and just waved. <laughs> and the Australians laughed like, yes, I know. Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> I, I will say one other thing. Maybe it was my vantage point, but none of the speed skaters thighs looked as massive as they do on TV. I think you needed a normal person standing next to them. Maybe, but uh, I'm going to keep an eye on that because I'll be back at speed skating. Other thing, I really liked Sweden's uniform. It is um, because they have the the cross that's on the flag. That's like from their calf down, and that looks really cool. It's something I've never seen before in a uniform. And it's that beautiful Swedish blue. That is correct. So that wraps up today's competition. What is our Shuklistan watch like for tomorrow? Claire Egan and Rifey will be back for the 15-kilometer individual race in biathlon. She is bib 59. Yes. So the individual is a race against the clock, and everybody goes off at 30-second intervals. So the race starts at 5 p.m. local time, and Claire will go off at 529 and 30 seconds. 
And that is probably more helpful to me because then I know when to skedaddle back outside. <laughs> from, from from taking a break, you know, I'm going to watch the first people go off because I have the whole start list here. I'm going to watch the first ones go off and then I'm going to slide inside, warm up for about two minutes and slide back out to, to root for Claire. You have 29 extra minutes to dip the bus <laughs> oh man and we speaking already got speaking of what and speaking of mascots yes we have our beautiful mascot this week her name is luna she is listener beth's cat and right now i hope she is getting more sleep than we are and apparently her favorite place to sleep is in the hallway linen closet. So they have to leave the door open. <laughs> Don't want to lock the cat in with the towels. No, not at all. We would also like to thank our researchers for today, Hallie Miller and Laura. Thank you so much for your support. So that will do it for this episode. Tune in again tomorrow for another day of coverage from Beijing. I will be out at the biathlon venue, and I think that's going to end up being the only competition I see. I thought I was going to catch some slope style, but I don't think I'll make it just because I need to get a seat in the workroom so I could actually work. And, you know, stay maybe slightly warm. That's right. So if you're home like me, please celebrate the games with us at our Keep the Flame Alive podcast group. And it's the place to be with me and Jill posting her daily diaries. Jill is also on Twitter. I am on Insta. And both those handles are at Flame Alive Pod. You can email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. We will catch you back here tomorrow with more coverage from Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive.